Hello, I'm Dr. Jesse L. Grice, founder and uh, senior pastor of Truvine Baptist Church. It's my heart as we welcome you. I welcome you, and I praise God uh, that you will get something from it and bless your life. And in Jesus' name, we love you. Come to praise Him. The same ones that praise is what I do. I don't know about you, but I know that praise is what I do. And when we come to praise Him, we ought to praise Him in the morning. Praise him in the evening. Praise him at supper time. I want to praise him even when I go to bed. Praise him when I get up in the morning. Somebody ought to say, yeah, we come to praise the Lord. Come on and give God a hand praise. Thank you, Lord. Thank God for our praise band. Thank God for their devotion to lifting up the name of Jesus. And we give God all the glory. Pray with me. Most gracious and loving Father, we thank you. Thank you, O oh God, is not enough. But Father, in our limited vocabulary, we just say thank you. We love you, Father, and we give you all the glory and the praise. Thank you for our time together this morning in worship. Thank you, dear God, for all of our guests who are online and with us in person. Thank you for all the members of this body of Christ, online and in person. Father, I pray that we just break out in praise, for thou art worthy of our praise. And so, God, we thank you, not only what you're doing, but what you're going to do in the name of our Savior, the Lord Jesus. Touch now, O oh God, these thy people and bless them. Father, those that are behind bars, have mercy and bless them. Those that are ill this morning and may be watching via streaming, we pray, dear God, that you will bless them. But Father, come now by the power of your spirit. Move, O oh God, in this place like only you can. Touch our hearts and our minds. Help us, O oh God, to hear with our ears and know with our minds and see with our eyes that God is mighty. And we give you praise. Touch now this your servant. Speak thou, O oh God, to me that you may speak to your people and bless them. We thank you, Father, for all that you're going to do, all that you're doing now, and all that you will to do in each of our lives. For it's in that name that's above all names. Jesus, who is the Christ, the Son, the Son, the Son of the living God. We bless you. And all said, amen, 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 amen. and amen. amen. Praise the Lord. We won't trouble you long, but we want to share a word with you. We want to turn to the book of Acts, chapter 4. Verses 8 through 13. The book of Acts, chapter 4, verses 8 through 13. If you have gotten to Acts 4, verse 8, would you say amen? amen. Perhaps others are still turning, but we want you to know we're going to go from Acts 4, beginning at verse 8. Luke writes, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, 
rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man, by what means he has been made well, let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands here before you whole. This is the stone which was rejected by you builders, which has become the chief cornerstone. Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given amongst men by which we must be saved. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled and they realized that they had been with Jesus. They realized that they had been with Jesus. May the Lord bless the reading and doing of his word. You may take your seats. There's a difference in anyone proposing to be a Christian and one who really is a Christian. We would know that they had been with Jesus. The book of Acts is the history book of the church. As a matter of fact, it is not finished yet. Acts are still happening. God is still blessing. God is still delivering. God is still saving. God is still loving. God is still having mercy. God is still loving to all of us. It is a history of the changed lives. My friends, we can pretend all we want to be or want to do. We cannot be real when we try to stand up for God. It's about changed lives. I believe everybody in here and online on a take an examination. Paul said they should examine themselves whether they are in the faith. You can walk like someone may be a Christian. I don't know what that looks like. You can talk like someone is a Christian. I don't know what that sounds like. You just got to be. Don't talk about it. Be about it. I recall the apostle Paul declaring to the Roman Christians to be transformed in Romans chapter 12. Transformed by the renewing of your mind. And in order that one is transformed, it means to be changed. Many folk say they accept Christ, but there is no change in their lives. Friday night, Saturday night is still party nights. Sunday morning is dead as it always been. Everybody's asleep. But I want to introduce you to something else. When you are changed, you can't wait to Sunday. When your heart is changed, you, you want to even start on Saturday night getting yourself ready. So are you coming to lift up the name of Jesus? In order that one is transformed, it means to be changed in character and or condition. Chinese proverb declared that you can't carve rotten wood. When you're changed in your character, character is what you are in the dark. Character is what you are when nobody is looking. Those of you that have a job outside of church or even in church, you don't wait till the pastor show up before you start doing your work. 
You don't work for your supervisor to show up so you can begin to do your work. Come on, talk to me now. Character is who you are when nobody's watching. But the Bible declares that we ought to do it unto the name of Jesus. I don't care how bad your supervisor is. Pray on them. Talk to the Lord about them. And then let God deal with it. A life changed by God's power brings about a clear reason for living. My reason for living because he looked beyond my faults. <laughs> and he saw my need. I had a need. I had a need for a changed life. I got sick and tired and sick and tired of being sick and tired. I think some of y'all got the same thing. Are y'all with me? You online and watching us now, are you sick and tired of being sick and tired? Well, if that be the case, I want to talk to you today about the power of a changed life. Peter and John, two Galilean fishermen, followers of, the, of Christ the Lord, many have been uneducated. They were looked upon as uneducated and untrained by the things of the world, but they were graduates in the things of God. And they were trained to fish for the lives of men. They, they spoke boldly by the Spirit of the living God. They, they spoke with confidence by the power of the Holy Spirit to, uh, to the lame man of his need for the Lord Jesus Christ. I wish somebody today would take up that and say, I want to be that kind of person. Four things we're going to talk about just briefly. One, a changed life is a life of courage. A changed life is a life of character. A changed life is a life of conviction. And finally, a changed life is a life converted. Let's look at the first point. A changed life is a life of courage. Acts 4.13 says, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John. I wonder today, the, the Christians today, do we have a boldness to speak out for the Lord? Some of us are so shy when it's talking about God, but you've got a lot of mouth when you're talking about other stuff. You just can't stop talking. Girl, what in the world she's wearing? What's that got to do with anything? Well, he shouldn't have came to church looking like that. Well, at least he had church. Amen. Boldness is the absence of fear. When it comes to us who are Christian to tell other people about the goodness of the Lord, we almost get closed mouth, become catatonic. We just stand it like this. We're afraid. But the Bible declares that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love and power and a sound mind. Well, where's the power? Where's the love for Jesus and for those that may be lost? Boldness is the absence of fear. It is daring confidence, cheerful courage. On the other hand, courage, according to Plato, is knowing what not to fear. The boldness of Peter and John did not come from them the elders and all of that, but from God. We don't have any of that unless it comes from God. When God saves your life, when God saves your soul, you become really born again. You want to tell everybody about the goodness of God. But after a little while, we let the fear of the world, we let the things that infiltrate our lives cool us off. We ought to be hot 
for Jesus. But you got to be bold. Verse 8 says that Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit as he spoke to the elders concerning the, cur- the charge against him. That charge was the healing of a helpless man. If you go back to ch- chapter 3, Peter and John were on the way to church, we would say it in our vernacular. But in the scripture, said they were on the way to the temple. They're on the way to prayer service. Dr. Blocker mentioned prayer service. I hope to see all of y'all at prayer service and pray for one hour and you'll be changed when you leave. But Peter and John were already on the way to prayer service about 9 o'clock in the morning. And they saw this helpless man over there, lame from birth. He's begging for alms, begging for anything anybody wanted to share with him. But they had mercy, but they were bold in the name of Jesus. Why were they bold? Because they had been with the Lord. Why? What difference did that make? God had trained them and taught them, blessed them. They were his, not only disciples, they were his apostles, and they began to do what God told them to do. You see, we all know John Blackaby says, John God where he's working. The lame man was there. He was begging. Here comes a couple of brothers in the Lord, and God was working with them and opened their eyes and we got to do something for this fellow. The guy said, well, I, I need a little something, something. But they said, something, something we don't have, but such as have, we're going to give to you in the name of Jesus the Christ. Stand up and walk. The man got up. Can you just see it in your mind? The man began to walk. Y'all, y'all just too sophisticated for me. But you know, just, you know how you, you got bad knees like I do. You, it just makes you want to. Get... And they went into the temple just praising God. Oh, y'all not women this morning. I know my knees will be hurting later, but I got some Tylenol and I got Jesus. Amen. They, they wanted to help him. How many people do you want to help? Luke used the expression, filled with the Holy Spirit, eight times in this writing, in all of his writing. In every case, the filling of the Holy Spirit enables a person to speak or preach for God. And also, Peter and John was chastened by the elders. They, they, they were put on trial to not speak, teach, or preach in the name of Jesus. But they didn't hear what they had to say. You see, I think our church community and get it all mixed up when you talk about filled with the spirit the spirit of god already lives in the believer at the moment of salvation he lives in us in other words we only going to be at that point is going to happen one time but we can be filled all the time I need to be filled to teach the word. I, I need to be filled to preach the word. I, I need to be filled to talk the word. I got to be filled to witness the word. I got to be filled by the spirit and not by me. I need to do it for the glory of God. Anybody with me this morning? When you're filled with God's spirit, you begin to do what God said to do. You walk around with confidence and boldness. You're not worried about what somebody said or going to do. All you want to do is please God, our Father. And when you begin to please and the Spirit of God begin to rise up in us. It is not some strange thing that happened to us. God already says we can be filled with the Spirit all the time so we may do God's work, not my work. Can I get a witness? Acts 4, 8 and 20 says, And they called them and commanded them not to speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. Sometimes in looking at my emails, I get one that talks about Christian life and that those, many of those way before us 
were, were, were hung. They were, they were burned at the stake for their witness for Christ. And they tried to get some to recant their testimony. And they said, no, cannot do it. And they killed them right there. Let me tell you something, church. We got to have boldness in this time and in this day. We got people that are killing people. We got people that are messing up our babies and our girls and our boys. And they're having stuff, sex trafficking and stuff going on. And what are you doing about it? Most of us say, ain't that a shame? Of course it's a shame. What are you going to do about it? Well, one thing we can do about it is go to God in prayer. Go and get some old folk and go to God in prayer. Believe that God can turn it around. If you don't believe that God can turn it around, stop talking to him. I don't like to get into political things. But it breaks my heart that Dr. Blocker preached last week. Magnificent job. Name every one of those children, 19 of them, killed over in Uvalde. And teachers, I believe, a couple adults. The president gets up and he does the president thing. We got to do something about this, that, and the other thing. Ain't nothing done. Ain't nothing going to get done. Why? It's a political matter. It's about money. It sounds like the old J's. Money, money, money. Somebody talk to me. That's why nothing's going to happen. But see, if you really want to do something, we can do something. In church, we can do something. It's not about money. In church, we can do something. When you come to prayer, the deacons will hold prayer. You come with that on your mind. You come with those parents who lost their babies. You come for that, 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 that loved one who lost their, their wife. And then their wife lost her husband two days later to a heart attack. You come and pray for them. Don't pray about yourself. Pray for them. The Bible says pray for all. That means all the body of Christ. Prayer is so difficult in our, in our time. But all oh, we were having the raffle. Mm-hmm. Having some food, some music, everybody clapping their hand and popping their finger. Thank you, Doc. You fill up this place. But we got to have boldness. So much is happening in our world, and we just come, sit, soak, and shower. But we ought to come with some contention. I want to pray and ask God to change themselves. But we got to be changed. If you're not changed, nothing else is going to get changed. For we cannot but speak, the apostle said, the things which we have seen and heard. One day, one day is coming. That they, 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 those who are in those particular positions will try and silence the preachers of the gospel because they do not like what we say. I pray that I have boldness in that day. I pray that I have the strength in that day. I pray to stand on God's word and say, thus saith the Lord. I don't know how I'm going to be, but I pray that I'll do that. Because I cannot stop preaching. I cannot stop teaching. I cannot stop reaching. Why? The Lord saved me. He delivered me. I'm born again and I love him. I praise him. I was on a fast track to hell. But God stopped the train and said, Jesse, get off. 
thank God for Jesus. Now, when they, uh, they saw the boldness, I'll change life as a life of character. When they saw the boldness of Peter and John, you know the problem with the church today? Not just our church, but all of them. There's no boldness. There's no confidence. Our faith is weak. In my day, I'd call it weaker than sugar water. Come on, somebody. That's without the Kool-Aid. But when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled and they realized that they had been with Jesus. Preacher and pastor Bob Jones Sr. once said, the test of your character is what you would do if you knew no one would ever know. The apostles' lack of education and social refinement became a question of character to the religious leaders, but not to them. The character quality of their lives was evident, not because of a lack of education or social refinement, but of their association with the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, my friends, when we are associated with God, when you are so in tune to the Lord, nothing else matters but what God what it matters to God. Those who tried to silence that testimony soon realized that they could not because they had been with Jesus. The ultimate measure of a man is not whether he stands in moments of comfort and, con and convenience, but where he stands at times of challenge and controversy, says Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr. Jesus' the disciples faced a challenge a test whether to follow the Lord Jesus or the religious authority in that day. When they followed the religious authority, they couldn't preach, they couldn't teach, they couldn't do nothing. But they decided to be committed to Jesus Christ. How many of you are committed to Jesus Christ? I'm not talking about committed on Sunday morning. I'm talking about committed when you go to work in the morning. I'm talking about committed when, you, when they talk bad about you. And you know they're telling lies, and they know they're telling lies. Are you still committed? A changed life. They also face controversy on an argument by the religious whether or not to heal a helpless man. It's a simple thing that God puts in Scripture that is absolutely volcanic. It's huge. People are helpless today, but what are we doing about it? You may say, I don't have enough money. I don't have this. It ain't about your money. It's not about all of that. It's about your heart. Some of us will remember the woman at the well. And she had a conversation with the Lord. And the Samaritan were people that the, the Jews despised because they were mixed race. And Jesus said, why are you asking me about some water? But when he began to tell her, he said, I want you to go call your husband. And she said, I don't have one. Jesus said, you're right. The mother was, <laughs> you had six of them, however many it was. And touched her heart in some ways. And when she, she looked at the Lord and then she went back to Samaria and she told all the people. And she said, listen, I want you to come see a man that told me everything I ever did. So I took some words from a country song. All my exes live in Texas. Amen. She had a changed life. 
She, she was a woman of the evening, you know what I'm saying. But she had a changed life. And the people there, they, they said, we're not going to believe just your word. We're going to see ourselves. When somebody tell you about Jesus and you don't know for real, go and see Jesus yourself. That, that's a life that's been changed. Thirdly, a life changed is a life of conviction. Conviction, a, a strong persuasion of belief. Are we convinced, you that know Christ, are you convinced of your salvation? Are you convicted, all of us who know Christ, are you convicted in your heart and know when the Spirit of God is saying, don't do that, or you need to do something different? A strong persuasion or belief. Peter and John were fully persuaded that Jesus is the Messiah, speaking of that time, and the Son of God, and that he's Lord. They were truly convicted and convinced. There's no doubt that Peter and John were convinced that Jesus is God. Not was God, he still is God. Convinced that he is the Christ, the Messiah. Convinced that he is the long-awaited Messiah. And convinced that Jesus is a savior of the world. Many people hear that he's a savior of the world. Often we see at the ball games on TV that they got John 3.16. I don't think many people even understand what that means. But those who do know what it means, they don't care anyway. They don't really care. How often does God give little signs and things that we can see and hear and, and in our minds know that it is God? Oftentimes we're waiting for God to wake us up and one of these mornings you're in this trance. Chances are that ain't God. Maybe <laughs> something that you ate last night, I don't know. But when God speaks to us, we know when it's God. God spoke to me one day, and I had to get up and go. Afraid? Absolutely. Part of my testimony I shared many times, that God convicted me of my sin, and I, I said, okay, I, I got to go. Took my only suit. It wasn't, no, wasn't that worst will. It wasn't that good stuff today. The kind that itches you. I wore four Sundays. In a row. I vowed not to get saved. Now think of me, I must be crazy. I'm going to tell God I'm not going to get saved. Oh, I said it all right. But God was loving, patient, kind, long-suffering. Long-suffering means he was patient. I can just see him. Okay, Jesse, go ahead on what you're going to do, boy. Go ahead. Every Sunday, one, two, three. I'm not getting saved, and I'm not coming back next week. How many of you feel that way right now? I'm praying that God bring you back every week. Amen. On that fourth week, I couldn't sit no more. I couldn't take it anymore. And God was God, and he was doing what only God can do. And he blessed me. He blessed me. There's no doubt that Peter and John were convinced that Jesus is God. That they were convinced he was the son of God. They were convinced Jesus was and is the savior of the world. They were convinced Jesus was and is the Messiah. That they were convinced of their appointment by the Lord to go into all the world and preach the gospel. The apostles were convinced that a changed life 
as a result of having been with Jesus. These two men, these two Galileans, these two lunch bucket folk, hardworking people, uneducated, untrained. When they got to be with Jesus, it was a whole new day. And they were convinced in their hearts. They knew that he's God. They knew him for the, as their savior, and they followed him. A changed life is a life converted. To you who have given your life to Christ, both online and here in person, you have already experienced a transformed life, a condition that previously not known before. However, to you who do not know Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, your need is to experience the life that Jesus gives. But I'm so amazed that as much as the gospel today is preached throughout this world, throughout this community, throughout San Antonio, people still will not give in. But I want to talk to you that don't know Jesus today. There's coming a day when you won't have an opportunity to come. There's going to come a day when Jesus comes back to get his people. We who are his people, he's not coming back for the building. He's coming back for the church. We are the church. And he's coming back for us. And he's going to, the Bible declares that every eye shall see him. He's coming riding on a cloud. And he's coming back for his people. And when he comes back, we'll go back with him to rule with him. Oh, but what happens to those who are not saved? Well, God is still merciful, but many of them won't make it. Many of them won't get to where they need to go. You see, there's going to come a time that you can't do anything. But I'm here to tell you that you ought to do something today. I pray that the Spirit of the living God will convict and convince your heart today that Jesus Christ is real and that he wants you to be saved. He loved us so much. He didn't just love us this week. He didn't love us this year. He loved us from the very beginning that we would come to know him as Savior and Lord of our lives. But too many of people are waiting to the 11th hour and the 59th minute. My friend, you can't wait that long. You don't know what God's going to do. Death can come at any moment and take us out. We ought to be convinced that God is God. And we need to be convinced to be converted. Well, what is conversion? A change of attitude and will, which brings a person into a right relationship with God. Some of you all may be thinking, well, I, I go to church. And that has nothing to do with it. Some of you say, well, I, I come to church and I serve in the church. Well, that's good. But it won't do you no good. Well, I come and I give a little money to the church. Well, praise God, but that won't do you no good. Well, what will do me some good, preacher? I'm so glad you asked. And I give the invitation to come and follow Jesus. Don't delay. Get out of your seat, up on your feet. Follow, the, 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 follow our, our counselors, and they will share with you the Lord Jesus. You see, only God can save. I can't save. I can't save myself. God saved me. But you can come and say, Lord, I want to, I want to know you today. Many of us, we, we, we can rehearse our sins in our own minds right now. 
It would probably scare you half to death. But you're hoping, I, I hope my good day don't weigh my bad day. That's total nonsense. What God wants is a heart that's open to him. And you can come. Open your eyes, says Acts 26, 18, about a relationship with God. This is what happens. God opens our eyes, and he turns you from darkness to light. Darkness is a euphemism for sin. Light is for Christ. It is for Jesus. And from the power of Satan to the power of God. Satan is the ruler of darkness. He's the ruler of this world. He is God of this world, little g. It is God, the Father, who is God overall. And he says that it's the power of God that you may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith. Sanctified simply means that you're set apart. You're separated. You're made right in Christ. You know, Matthew 18, 3 says, Thus truly I say to you, unless you are converted, that means you have turned around and become like children, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Another place said you can't even see it until you do. Closely related to conversion is repentance and faith. So many people don't want to repent today. They think it's all, already somebody else's fault. No, it's your fault, period. Repentance is turning from sin, while faith is turning to God. Therefore, conversion is more than the exchange of one set of beliefs for another. It is a wholehearted turning to God. My friends, if you are a believer in Christ this morning, does the evidence of that relationship support the proposition that you have been with Jesus? If you are not a believer, why not come right now and trust Christ as Lord and Savior of your life? I know, I know. Well, I, I'm, I'm coming, Reverend, when I get my stuff straightened out. Well, your stuff is not going to get straightened out, so that's some bad news for you. And when you come to Christ, he will forgive your sins and save you, and you will experience a changed life. It depends on whether you want to change life. Thank you so much for your attendance and your support of the podcast. We do hope to see you again or hear you again or even talk to me again. And we love you. Thank you so much for tuning in. God bless you.